I love being able to talk about brands that I use on my podcast, and I've personally been using this one for over five years. Our sponsor, Nature's Way Alive, women's multivitamin gummies are specifically formulated for women. They contain 16 vitamins and minerals, including the full B vitamin complex to help convert food into fuel and have the added benefit of supporting healthy hair, skin, and nails. With just two delicious gummies, Nature's Way Alive, women's multivitamin gummies are an easy way to feel like your best self every day. To learn more, visit naturesway.com slash Gemma10 and use code Gemma10 at checkout for 10% off any alive women's multivitamins. Terms and conditions apply, valid through June 30th. There is a whole collection of black lead products at Walmart that can fit into your daily routine. And in every purchase, there is power. So show black founders some love, not just during Black History Month, but all year long, because every time we buy a black led brand, we make room for another. Black founders and the products they bring to the table are creating a whole new world of choice at Walmart. Go to walmart.com slash black and unlimited to discover all the amazing black owned products that you can add to your daily routine. Shaving is honestly such a hassle, but sometimes it just has to be done. Actually, what if I told you about an alternative, one that was quick, easy, and left you smelling surprisingly good? Nair's new line of sensational hair removal, shower and body creams, gets the job done and smells delicious. My friends were all over for dinner the other day, and I had this bottle of their oat milk and vanilla body cream. Of course, we had to try it out, and we all agreed. The results were pretty spectacular after only three minutes of application, and it actually smelled delicious like vanilla goodness. Smell for yourself. Try the reformulated Nair Body and Shower Creams, available at retailers nationwide and online. Hello, and welcome back to the psychology of your 20s the podcast where we talk through some of the big life changes and transitions of our 20s and what they mean for our psychology. Hello everybody, welcome back to the show, welcome back to the podcast. It's so great to have you here. Thank you for tuning in for a new episode of The Psychology of Your 20s. Um, If you're a new listener, if you're an old listener, it is great to have you here. Today, we are talking about a topic that you, you the listeners, actually chose on my Instagram, one that I am really, really interested in at the moment. Often the topics that I find the most fascinating and I enjoy researching the most are those that are really like kind of personally relevant to me as someone in my 20s. So I hope that you enjoy this as well. But today we're going to talk about that sharp sting of rejection something I think we are all inevitably going to experience in our 20s I imagine for many of you um, you're thinking about a particular experience right now and often when we think about rejection it's to do with romantic love and intimate relationships perhaps there is a time in your life where you've been rejected by a potential love interest you know you've been turned down after you took a leap of faith and asked someone out or Maybe it's rejection from a long-term partner. Often rejection in social situations is going to be the most painful. And that's not just for people we're dating or that we're interested in, but friends as well. Feeling left out and socially rejected or like you're not wanted around, that can leave some pretty deep, (laughs) pretty painful wounds for many reasons. Um, I'm sure you can think back to a time that you have experienced rejection 
and very vividly relate to that sense of hopelessness, that pain, that dejection. And maybe it's comforting to you to know there is a science behind that. There is psychology behind why we feel this way. And we're going to discuss it here today. We as humans, we really do crave connection with every fiber of our being. It's so crucial to our mental health, our physical, spiritual, social health and happiness, but also our sense of belonging, our sense of social security. So when we're denied that opportunity, it can be especially painful because instinctually we see social rejection in particular as a threat to our survival and the availability of community, the availability of support. We're going to talk about many of these situations and a lot more today. I also believe the experience of rejection has a really close relationship to our self-esteem and social acceptance theory, things that are really crucial in this formative decade of our lives. So learning how to navigate this inevitable experience is really crucial during this time, especially when we kind of cast our minds forward and think about the long-term harm that continuous rejection and unaddressed rejection can have on our mindset, can have on our attitudes as well, but also our willingness to pursue opportunities with work and our careers and areas as, as broad as you know, the confidence to, to travel, to be independent and trust our judgment. Trusting our judgment, that is going to come up quite a bit in this episode. Um, and it can be the undoing of so many important elements of our growth and our well-being. So although we're definitely going to talk about why rejection can be painful, why it can be harmful, we're also going to take a strengths-based approach as we always do because, you know, this show is about growth and vulnerability and, and agency. And I really, I really am truly of the firm, firm belief that rejection is really just redirection. It truly is. And there are so many ways to strengthen our mindset towards rejection to no longer see it as a setback, but as an opportunity, a new beginning. I often think about this time um, in my final year of uni when I was rejected from this job that I really, really wanted. And at the time it stung. It was really painful. My self-confidence kind of plummeted. I was left with all of this self-doubt you know, this is what I'd been working towards. I think about the partners and the people I've pursued that I've really liked that have ended with rejection. And it hurt, it really hurt. But oh my gosh, was it such a blessing, such a blessing that those things did not work out. I'm so grateful now for that rejection, even if at the time it was painful, because I never would have arrived here right now, you know, speaking to you. So strap in, get ready to hopefully learn something and explore the internal and also the external world of rejection in our 20s. So I think a really important place to begin is exploring some of the typical situations and events in which we typically and sometimes experience rejection and what kind of impact this can have on us and why we feel it so deeply. Often it's the things that are most important to us, our relationships, our community, our work, our dreams and future, where we're going to feel that sting of rejection the most acutely, the most sharply. And this makes sense, right? You know, the bigger the investment, 
the greater the reliance on this area, I guess, for happiness, the harder the fall, the greater the loss, the greater the hurt. And a lot of those aspects that we just mentioned are so crucial in our 20s, especially as we're establishing independent lives, the lives that we want for ourselves. I remember when I was in high school, I was thinking about unis that I wanted to attend and, you know, how I could afford to support myself. In Australia, it's not that common actually for people to move out of their um, hometowns or their cities to go to uni. Um, It's really expensive. It's not something that people typically do, but I really wanted to do it. And I found this amazing scholarship at my dream uni and I put a lot of pressure on myself to get it, essentially. I placed a lot of my self-worth in being able to obtain this achievement. And I think we can all imagine how this story ends I didn't get it and I felt rejected, like I didn't belong in this group of people or even at this uni. And maybe you've experienced something similar when applying for colleges and university and you feel that this rejection of not getting in reflects poorly on you. It's something you need to fix, something that you're lacking. But often I think it just means you're not in the right place for you and it's not destiny. Maybe they've overlooked something about you or not understood how truly wonderful you are. Maybe it's also something beyond your control. I think that is particularly the case when it comes to jobs. Often we apply for jobs, we don't get them, and we're like, well, I wasn't a good candidate because they didn't like me, I wasn't personable enough, I don't have enough achievements. But it might just be that they want someone who can work certain hours or who has some knowledge of some like niche Excel equation and you will find your place eventually. And with romantic partners, I think that is a whole nother ball game, a whole nother game in itself, especially since intimate relationships and dating can require and do require so much vulnerability, both with the other person, but also with ourselves, allowing yourself to be open to the possibility of love and acceptance, preparing yourself for that, and then being rejected can leave a really sour taste in our mouth and be like quite profoundly wounding. Often it's not to do with you. I'm going to stay, say that really clearly. It's not to do with you, but them. But our brains don't always deal well with that ambiguity and want an explanation for things. So often we look for something that can explain an unexpected experience like this. And that's when we might start to think there's something wrong with us, that we did something wrong, we were awkward, or they didn't find us attractive or funny or intelligent enough And what comes from this can be these really self-limiting and harmful beliefs about ourselves. Like I said, the greater the investment and expectation, the greater the value we place on something, particularly love, the more rejection is likely to sting. And I'll be honest with you, I've had experiences like this quite a few times. And often at the end of it, I would, you know, convince myself that if I was skinnier or I liked their hobbies more or their friends liked me, Um, If I was more athletic, then they would want to be with me. But honestly, I think at the end of the day, we want someone to like us for who we are. It reminds me, I always think about this lyric by this Australian band called Ballpark Music and this line um, that kind of really comforts me, which is, I love you exactly as you are. And I know it sounds sappy. I know it sounds really weird. But listen to that song if you're experiencing romantic rejection because that's what it should feel like when someone really likes you for who you are. But no matter how many times we we repeat that sentiment, um, no matter how many times we 
we feel like we we are worthy and we know our worth rejection across any domain of our life not just the ones I've talked about is going to hurt so let's talk about why especially some of the science so rejection and physical pain use the same pathways in our brain I know that sounds really bizarre but think about a time when you know maybe you haven't been invited to something or you felt left out like it physically can hurt like you feel this like pain in your chest your brain feels all fuzzy so this group of scientists did these fMRI studies that basically tracks um, which yeah basically where our brains are using oxygen and that's kind of correlated to what neural pathways we're using at the time and they used this technology to show that the same areas of our brain that become activated when we stab our toe or when we cut our finger or experiencing any kind of physical pain, those pathways are also activated by rejection, which means they're going to activate a similar feeling within us. And that's why it hurts. That's why it physically hurts because there's a neurological backing to that experience. Our brain relates the pain of rejection with the with physical pain um, and respond so similarly. It's also, I think, some of that, that negative experience, that discomfort that comes, particularly with social rejection, it destabilizes this fundamental need to belong and this need to have community. It is so fundamental. No matter how much you try and convince yourself that you're happy alone, you're independent, you don't need anyone, uh, you're hardwired to need people. Um, we are hardwired to need community. So the disconnection that is experienced when we experience rejection, it destabilizes that that need, that craving, that like fundamental desire. And that's why we feel emotional pain. And this has really deep links to social acceptance theory as well. So social acceptance, um, basically, it is the degree to which our behavior is perceived by others to be acceptable and the degree to which we are kind of brought into the group the degree to which we are brought into social interactions and are able to have a group relationship and there's so many barriers to this you know especially prejudice and and stigma and racism Um, but we will do anything we really will do anything to you know, to complete and fulfill that desire of acceptance and approval, particularly from peers and particularly from people whose social acceptance we really want. And often those are people who don't give it freely. Those are the people who we have to work for social acceptance because we see it as more valuable. And we can find that we do things that we don't want to do all because we're trying to fulfill this need to be part of community, be part of a community, to belong, to be accepted. There's many ways around this, and I know it can feel particularly awful, especially if um, these are people you really like, or you know you don't really feel like you belong anywhere. But reconnecting with those who do love us, reaching out to members of a group that already accept us, maybe that's family, maybe that's friends, people we share our values with, who know us can kind of help to soothe that pain of, of rejection, especially from a group that perhaps we don't want to, you know, maybe probably don't want to be a part of if they don't like you for who you are. There's a deeper science to this as well. So we've talked about social acceptance. We've talked about rejection destabilizing our need to belong. But when we think about rejection in a romantic context, especially, it used to serve a pretty vital function 
in in the past back when we were you know hunters and gatherers and you know running around trying to find a meal it was important to have other people around you to support your survival right like the more people you're associated with if you have a partner the more protection you have the more food you're able to gather there's like a caregiving role there so when you weren't accepted by the group especially when you felt rejected by a potential romantic interest or a sexual interest which would allow the group to build itself that was basically the same as a death sentence if you were pushed away from the group then you were out on your own and it's very you know pretty low chances of survival there i think we're surrounded by a lot of technology now and we don't really feel like we're those same kind of like cave people back in the day um but our brains are still the same particularly the the center of our brain which is like the midbrain that like the old brain is what they call it so when we you know used to be these creatures hunting hunting and gathering and whatnot um our brains developed to be able to sense the alert and, and alert us to potential rejection or ostracism because it was important for us to adapt to that situation and not experience rejection so now because that that function in our brain is still very much there it's still very much active it hasn't gone anywhere when we experience rejection that's probably not going to lead us to death it's probably not going to lead us to be completely shunned our brain still wants us to react to that and the way that it gets us to react to that is by using those pain receptors in our brain to almost shock us to get our attention by mimicking physical harm and the people who developed this when they you know back in the olden times they had an evolutionary advantage because they were able to correct their behavior when they sensed rejection because of those kind of pain that that pain that we experience and they were more likely to be integrated back into the group more likely to be accepted by a partner and that kind of explains why even now there is an evolutionary reaction to any experience of rejection and also why we remember rejection so well when we think about perhaps a time when i don't know we were dating someone or like kind of started seeing someone and like after like a couple of months they were like yeah no this isn't for me i'm sure we've all had that experience and like when you think about it i'm sure you can feel that sting in your body you can feel it somewhere and i'm not asking you to relive a traumatic experience but um it is something that's important to understand because that is exactly what what this evolutionary feeling is trying to mimic our brain wants us to prioritize experiences of rejection because it's a threat it used to be a threat um and that's often why when we experience severe rejection be that in your dating life in your social life professional life we can often experience a bit of a mental plunge and that's often accompanied by a lapse in self-confidence and self-worth as our brains and minds try and incorporate that experience try and learn from it and in some ways this unconscious kind of response to rejection is useful and it used to be useful when we wanted an opportunity to correct our behavior and, and remain in the in-group but i think nowadays it can also be quite harmful and create you know a lot of self-doubt because if we hold on to that experience for longer than required it can also lead to future hesitancy towards opportunities and you know perhaps wonderful experiences if we're so worried about things going wrong or we're so worried that we're going to be pushed out or we're going to experience that painful rejection no matter how optimistic 
we may be, no matter how much we bounce back, our brain still wants us to be prepared for the worst. And there's a term for this, um, especially for people who've experienced repeated rejections and now feel like pretty intense hesitancy towards new experiences. It's called learnt helplessness. And it's a reaction from repeated rejection. So these psychologists, they discovered um, using dogs that if these dogs were tied up while they were, you know, given electric shocks and made to feel pain and weren't able to escape, even after the collar or the chain had been removed and they could have like easily ran away, they still continued to suffer through that pain. So learned helplessness, that kind of refers to this condition that we have as humans where if we've learnt that we're going to experience rejection no matter what, you know, we've had so many times where we've dated someone for a few months and then it's ended, we basically begin to view our actions as completely ineffective. We have no effect on what actually occurs or what actually happens. So eventually we just stop trying. We stop trying to avoid those harmful um, experiences and we tend to believe that that's normal, that that is something that is unavoidable and we may as well just get used to it. I think after facing rejection, we often feel that our actions had no impact. They didn't produce the desired effect. And as a result, we lose hope in situations and it can really kind of get us down. This is often stronger for people with rejection sensitivity disorder or dysphoria. So, you know, I think everyone who is rejected from something, be that a job, maybe your family, your friends, by a partner, by a university, a college, whatever it may be, it's going to hurt. Like we've, we've explained this, like instinctually and evolutionarily, our brains are going to respond to that. But there are some people who experience this much more intensely and it actually leads to them being fearful of rejection so much so that they avoid situations Um, out of fear of rejection. Individuals with this high rejection sensitivity, that's what it's called, they kind of constantly look for signs and look for like early indicators that they're going to be rejected. They have a greater physical response to those feelings, including intense anxiety and, and intense discomfort. And there's been heaps of explanations as to why There are some people who are better at managing rejection and some people who really struggle with it. Some of the explanations kind of rest on um, emotional sensitivity, which isn't a bad thing. It's a beautiful thing, but it can make us a lot more sensitive to these situations. Um, Having an attention bias to rejection. So we don't look at, we don't think about all those times when everything worked out well, when, you know, everyone loved us at that party or a partner accepted us for who we are. We only think about the bad times. And finally, it can often come from people who've experienced some kind of childhood trauma or have some kind of childhood vulnerability, particularly after parental rejection. And this has created almost a fear response in them, this learnt instantaneous response. Um, We talk about this in the Overcoming Childhood Trauma episode, if, if you're interested in learning more about it. So, these people, they experience more distress, essentially, and it can also lead to harmful people-pleasing behaviours and sacrificing their own needs, wanting to sacrifice those of others more and put them in a position of, of great vulnerability. If we're so scared of rejection, often we kind of cater our behaviours to our audience and we're not able to remain our true selves. I don't know, I think about job interviews where 
like we try and create a bit of a persona or you know meeting new people where we try and pretend we're something we're not because we're kind of fearful that they won't like us and we care a lot about whether they like us but it can be really harmful um yeah it can be really harmful so let's explore some of the long-term impacts of rejection um, not only on our on our brains and our minds but also on our perspectives on our well-being and on our mindsets Our next partner has a product I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because I've been on a bit of a health journey. I wanted to take better care of my immune system and my gut health. And with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're essentially absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, probiotics, all that good stuff. And it's really great for your nervous system and your immune system. It's just one simple micro habit that you can incorporate into your daily life with big benefits. It's super lifestyle friendly. And Athletic Greens is also a climate neutral certified company, which we absolutely love on the show. Right now, it is time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with a convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look after your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Gemma. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash Gemma to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So what are some of the long-term impacts? What are some of the kind of, what's the significance of holding on to rejection for too long, of letting it, kind of have more of a say in our lives than we want well rejection first of all has massive ties to our self-esteem I feel like that's quite self-explanatory um we tie our worth often to to things of, of significance things like our romantic relationships like our careers like our friendships And with that significance comes a lot of our identity and our self-concept. So when we experience a rejection within one of those domains, within one of those spheres, it kind of bleeds into how we see ourselves. And it often sends us on a bit of a mission um, to kind of undermine ourselves. Often when we are rejected romantically, especially, we've talked about this, but we tend to see it as, as our fault. Like we are in some way inadequate there's something wrong with us because we're looking for an explanation. We don't always get that from someone else. We're not always able to call them up and be like, oh, so why exactly didn't you like me? Can you list like the five top reasons so I can go away and fix them? No, and often it has nothing to do with you, but it's a much easier way of defining the situation by thinking about what's wrong with you rather than what might be wrong with the context. Like perhaps it's just a bad fit. You don't have that chemistry. You've got incompatible lifestyles you've got different wants but blaming ourselves and attacking ourselves is only going to worsen the emotional state we're in and might actually end up leading to some really harmful behaviors and which we're kind of almost punishing or blaming ourselves which makes it more difficult for us to emotionally recover and and kind of move on here's a really interesting fact that i found while researching this rejection also temporarily lowers our iq sounds strange but after um so 
being asked to recall a, a recent experience of rejection and relive that experience, even if it hadn't occurred right in that moment, it actually made people score lower on IQ tests. So these researchers, they sat people down, they gave them an IQ test, and then they asked them, okay, when was the last time you felt rejected? And they asked them to describe that, to describe how they felt, and then they gave them another IQ test. And they found that people were poorer at short-term memory tests, at decision-making, at being able to respond intelligently after they had recalled that experience because it left them so emotionally drained and left their brain so frazzled so reliving that pain of that rejection it's actually not doing you much good you might be looking for like something that went wrong or trying to think about what you could have done differently but it's actually um, only kind of hurting and harming um, our problem solving skills and our ability to move on I know it's really hard when we talk about these things to be like, oh, like you're saying all these negative things about how it's terrible, but it's really difficult to, for me to move on from rejection or it's really difficult for me to take what you're saying to heart because, as we all know, it's not as easy as this Band-Aid solution, especially because rejection is an unconscious experience. It's not one of well, the experience of rejection, not so much rejection, but our emotional reaction to it. It's not something we always handle at the front of our brain and within our active brain. It's something that occurs kind of behind the scenes and unconsciously. Um, And even there's situations in which we may not even respect the person or respect the institution that's rejected us, but it still hurts. They might be a total stranger, but because that need to be liked and need to be part of the in-group and be accepted is so strong, we care about it just that little bit more. Um, they did this really interesting experiment um, where they told this group of participants, like, all right, these people are, like, awful. They've, like, done all these crimes. They've done these awful things. They, like, belong to hate groups and they don't like you. And even when we had no respect for that group of people, even when they were, like, awful, we still cared and people still exhibited an emotional reaction. We've talked about this a bit, but um, because of that, it has a pretty severe impact on our self-esteem and our sense of self-worth, as we've kind of already explained. Um, And our self-worth is already quite unstable in our 20s. We're trying to establish our identity in new environments and, you know, environments we've never been before, often away from our family, taking a step beyond our comfort zone. And self-worth, it's at the very core of how we see ourselves. So if we experience frequent rejections from partners or people we're interested in or our family, we may come to see ourselves as unlovable or not worthy of love. If we keep getting rejected from jobs, we may see ourselves as not skilled or intelligent enough. Rejected from social groups can leave us feeling on the outside, not cool enough. Um, You know, looking to link it to some aspect of our identity, like our physical appearance or our hobbies or our likes. But I think the important lesson is you don't need to change anything about yourself to feel valid and to feel valued. Um, Although rejection is a normal part of life, it's inevitable. Not everyone's going to like you. Not everyone's going to see how brilliant you are. It doesn't mean that rejection has to dominate how we see ourselves. So let's discuss some of the ways that we can bounce back from a painful rejection experience. There are ways that you can kind of treat the psychological and emotional wounds and and scars of rejection 
I'm sure we all have an experience from like primary school or when we were like in kindergarten where someone's been like, I don't like you. And it sticks with us. It stays in our brains. But we can actually treat that. Um, But to do that, we actually have to understand why it is that that hurt us, what it is that it what it is that it activates or triggers within us to make us react that way it's probably something to do with with an insecurity that we're dealing with that this experience has kind of agitated in some ways you know if you don't see yourself as being conventionally attractive or desirable and someone rejects you it it, it confirms that and it also makes it hurt more because you're like oh I already knew this about myself it shouldn't be this painful um but it also, you know, that scar is already a pretty a pretty open one. You know, it's something that can be picked at even more. Or, you know, if we don't get um, a job, we might. And the reason that that might hurt more is because of a deeper psychological wound to, you know, maybe to deal with imposter syndrome, or maybe to do with uh, a sense that you're not skilled enough, or a sense that you've never been intelligent enough. So overcoming rejection actually takes time and it takes an investment in identifying what it is that we're vulnerable towards and about what it is that we're insecure about that this experience has kind of leveraged and made worse but I think one of the greatest things that we as humans have the ability to do is to change our minds and shift our perspectives so what if we chose to view rejection as a gift rather than as this like painful avoid thing that we need to avoid it's kind of what cognitive behavioral therapy tries to do it tries to change how we think about something which in turn changes how we react to it so let's kind of do a thought experiment about what how we can do this with rejection um of course if you've experienced a rejection there's going to be a period of of self-loathing and you might take that experience and be like well it's something wrong with me and that's that But you might also see it as an opportunity to understand yourself better, to understand those insecurities we were talking about, to pursue a new opportunity, something that you hadn't even thought of. Um, If we think about it, even in like kind of a mystical way of like this was meant to happen from the universe or like this was supposed to happen, um, we change our mindset away from being like this is because I am terrible, this is because I am not attractive or I am not skilled or intelligent or lovable and we change it to something else, something of like this is actually has nothing to do with me and everything to do with divine timing, everything to do with new opportunities and we're able to take what is like a pretty shitty situation and use it for personal growth use it for improvement use it to change how we view the world and how we view bad things that happen to us so I think some tips some very actionable tips that I would say is firstly give yourself time to feel shit about it like it is the like I think when we jump the gun and try and move on Often that's unconscious suppression of the actual experience, which is quite harmful. It's a negative coping mechanism. We're like, oh, you know, I'm so over it. Who cares? Fuck them, whatever. But it's like, no, that's not you actually having time to validate and experience your feelings. It's you just trying to suppress them. And we know that this is just going to come back and harm us later on. So it's better to give yourself permission to feel the sting, to feel the pain, Feel resentment if you have to, Um, you know, be mad at the situation if you have to, but don't put yourself down in the process. Don't include 
your self-worth in that equation and limit the time you spend on it. You know, giving yourself time doesn't mean giving yourself endless time to ruminate and feel really crap and let it become a part of your identity. So think about what's next instead. Romantic rejection, think about how much time you have with your friends. Academic, university rejection, hell, you've got a new community. You've got a new learning pathway. Like you didn't get into medical school, great, you can become a dentist or you can go and do something entirely different. You could be a graphic designer. I'm sure you've got very steady hands. Um, Familiar rejection, that's a huge one. It's about reminding yourself that you can create your own family. It's not just blood. It's not who you were born surrounded by. And reminding ourselves that there is not just one path towards happiness. Remember, like we said at the beginning, rejection is just redirection. So think about what's next and think about the opportunities that you maybe wouldn't have had if that thing had gone right. You know, if you had dated that person maybe you wouldn't have met your current partner or you wouldn't be able to go on like amazing first dates and see new places in your city or meet new people rejection is a redirection it is a positive thing and if we change our attitudes towards it and we have that mind mindset shift of turning loss into action and building inner strength and resilience we're probably going to be stronger people in the long run So how do we do this? Well, it kind of depends on what type of rejection we've experienced. But often it's about relating back to the core parts of ourselves that we value, reconnecting with your sense of self-worth and reminding yourself of what your strengths are. Make a list. Ask your family and friends, like, what am I good at? What do you like about me? What do I love doing? What are the things that make me me? Even if people can't or you know certain people can't see your worth it means that you're able to and I think every person is so incredibly unique and like oh my god so special and beautiful and amazing someone's going to recognize that about you and even if they don't you're going to be able to and I say it probably like every third episode but that relationship you have with yourself is so important it's more important than whether other people like you I think building resilience may also be like finding your strengths, building new strengths, working to grow and build pre-existing things you're good at, build them even more. Like if you're someone who's like amazing at something, spend time on that. Make that such an asset about yourself and reach out to people who love and support you. I think that's a really great way to avoid seeking almost the comfort of limiting beliefs or self-blame because they're really easy, right? It's easier to find an explanation within as to why something didn't work out or why you experienced rejection um, than have to kind of think about all the other possibilities. And sometimes there's no easy solution. There's no easy answer. Um, So the easiest solution is to relate it to your personal attributes, which is so harmful and it can make the experience so much worse. So, Um, I think believing in your abilities, believing in your worth and surrounding yourself with people who encourage you and encourage that feeling within you, even if that means, you know, cutting ties with a toxic workplace or cutting ties with a toxic friend, it's going to pay off in the long run. And I know that can be incredibly difficult, but taking the time now when we're young to invest in that perspective building is going to be such a great investment for your future because rejection is inevitable, but the emotional and negative emotional reaction and that low self-esteem 
doesn't have to be if we take the time to see these exterior these experiences as being external rather than due to internal personal factors and you know what I believe in you I believe in your journey I know I've said it so many times in this episode but every single time I have felt rejection and found myself ruminating and stuck in a negative loop I always emerge from it not only like a stronger version of myself but with this incredible realization that sometimes things don't work out because they weren't meant to And there's always another brilliant opportunity around the corner, something better for you, even if you have to wait for it. It's better to wait and be pleasantly surprised and happier with that situation than kind of settle for something else. You know, maybe that's to do with friends. Like you're feeling like you don't really have a group of friends right now. You're feeling rejected. Instead of trying to make them like you and molding your behaviors to them, just sit it out for a little bit. I'm sure there's people around the corner who you can't force friendships with, but they'll show up and they will love you. Um, There's more than one path to happiness. We said it. There's more than one path to happiness. There are so many solutions and other options for you to explore. There are actions that you can take to better yourself, to better your skills without necessarily, you know, deciding that, you know, that you're you're terrible and you need to fix something. Like it's all about a strengths strength-based approach like you already are amazing at this you're already fantastic so let's take those skills let's take that you know amazing personality attribute you have or that lovable attribute and turn it into something even more brilliant thank you so much for listening to this episode I really hope you enjoyed it I really enjoyed researching it as someone who has often dealt with rejection and perhaps not always taken it the the best way blamed myself seen myself as um, lacking something or deficient in something because of it it was so enlightening um, to have like this information I think that's the thing that I love doing with this show is being able to make those educational and psychological aspects of it so much more accessible so that we can have that kind of psychoeducation and that knowledge of what we're going through and I promise if you're someone who's experiencing romantic or social rejection right now it's an opportunity. It's such an opportunity. There's going to be something much better around the corner. I really do believe it. Uh, As always, if you did enjoy this episode, please feel free to leave it a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts, Samsung Podcasts. I don't know. I don't know where you're listening, Um, but please feel free to leave it a review if you feel called to do so. It really helps the show to grow and to reach new people if you think that they would like to hear this message. And thank you so much for your your support recently. I'm like, I'm blown away. I really don't know how to say thank you enough. There's so many new people listening to the show. And I know so many of you, a friend recommended this to you. So um, thank you so much. And um, I'll be back next week with a new episode. Have a lovely week. Ugh, our 20s. The drunk dialing, the forgetting to wash our face at night, and yes, neglecting our teeth. Don't do that last one. You only get one set of teeth, so you need to protect them. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface and locks in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. Pronamel also makes a new mouthwash, which helps to repair acid-weakened enamel beyond brushing alone. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy your toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit pronamel.com today. 
It's time to celebrate Black History Month at the Walmart Black and Unlimited Clock, one at Flatiron Plaza in New York City and one at Ovation Hollywood in Los Angeles from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. with giveaways dropping every hour on the hour. It is the perfect time to try, like and share black lead products. It's free. It's for everyone. And it's your chance to see how you can level up your daily routine with black lead products that are creating a new world of choice at Walmart. Trust me, you don't want to miss it. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also empower you with a sense of complete control? Enter Conair Girlbomb, your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for women. From the ultimate Girlbomb grip and professional grade blades, you don't have to compromise and settle for less. Conair Girlbomb equips you with the precision and power previously reserved for men's grooming tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girlbomb. Available at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you.